This Future Construct podcast episode is supported by Applied Software. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. So visit asti.com, it's A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that we here at Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Future Construct podcast. I am your host, Amy Peck. Today, we have a fantastic guest. We have Danielle O'Connell, who is the Director of Emerging Technology at Skanska USA Building. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So I always like to talk about how people got to their careers. And so, and you've had a very interesting journey, but you've been pretty focused in this industry for most of your career. So how did you choose this industry and sort of tell us the path to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So I like to say it's been more of a jungle gym than a, a ladder to get here. I, I don't think my path was super straightforward, but emerging technology roles like I'm in now didn't really exist when I started either. So I graduated um, from my undergrad program with a degree in architecture. I minored in construction management and I really found that I loved the built environment, but I had this like panic, like I need to go back to school to, to get a degree in civil engineering if I'm going to continue or try to look for a job in construction management. And that wasn't the case, right? So um, I joined a, a smaller GC in the Northeast out of school and I really learned a lot there. Um, I really started in more of like a project coordinator, kind of pre-construction. Uh, we were doing a lot of design and build work. And I just tried to absorb as much from all the different departments that I was encountering as I was going through that. Um, and then all of a sudden, there was this need for BIM and VDC. Our, our owners started asking for it, right? They were saying like, we have this BIM requirement. And a lot of the people I was working with at the time didn't really know what that meant. Um, and so I had, I was always drawn to technology. I learned how to use Revit as like a side project um, during my architectural studies. And so we were That's using- That's not easy to do as like a side no, project. No. <laughs> no, no, but we had, we had um, a teaching assistant who was using it at his small firm in town and he would take us there on the weekends and like teach us how anyone that was interested, like come learn this new tool. And we were being trained on ArchiCAD at the time and, and Revit was just, you know, coming to the market here. And so um, I was just drawn to technology since, you know, since those early days. But, you know, I, I found myself in a VDC role on site full time, really trying to understand what was happening in the field and how I could influence it and impact it from a technology but in a 3D model standpoint. Um, but then I really wanted to, I was eager to learn more about project management, like what went into putting our cost proposals together and maintaining our schedule and what were all those things that really made up our business, right? And, and got a building built. And so I asked for a new role and I said, I want to be a BIM enabled project manager. And everyone's like, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so <laughs> I moved on. I took, you know, a project management role um, in a special projects group where we were focusing on, you know, very fast paced projects. So I just dove right in, tried to figure it out as I went and, um, and from there, I, you know, I spent some time on, on different projects and had an opportunity arise on the owner side of things. And so there, you know, I really got the chance to be exposed to 
the full building life cycle, just the thought of a project all the way through design and collaborating with our design partners on how we were going to get this idea to our contractors should we then build it. And then at the end of the day, working with our facilities teams on how to get them information to operate our facilities, you know, post-construction. So um, that was an awesome opportunity. And I actually met my team that I now work for at Skanska while I was part of that organization. Um, and then I quickly took a, a hiatus and went to software for about a year. But um, ultimately, that's how I ended up in my emerging tech role. So a little bit of a windy road, but very much focused on technology and, and, and construction. I love that. I love how you just kind of made up your title. You're just like, okay, and so I shall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, so, so tell us a little bit about your, your day-to-day at Skanska and, you know, as you pointed out, you know, emerging technology roles and head of emerging technology wasn't a thing until recently. Now it's moving so quickly, mm-hmm. you know, how do you manage to stay kind of abreast of, you know, this whole landscape of technology that is upon us? Yeah, no, that's, it's so true. And you're seeing more and more organizations like rebrand or restructure around this idea of we need to, you know, keep up with it. There are so many new tools and technologies that have just come over out of the woodwork in the past two years. And so I work in my current role with a group of problem solvers. You know, most of us in this industry, I feel are, but we really act as a conduit to the business. So we've aligned ourselves with existing Skanska networks. Like we have a great um, VDC Knowledge Network that's expanded far beyond anyone with a BIM or, or VDC title, but really are innovators within the organization. And then we have internal steering committees and communities of practice who are, you know, are constantly knowledge sharing. And what we really look to do is like be that consistent, continuous, you know, and, and help continuous improvement as well as emerging technology and innovation are evolving. Um, really. The goal is to empower all of our people, no matter which part of the organization they sit in, to come up with ideas and to share those ideas. And not only to just leverage, you know, or bring new ideas, but to leverage the tools in our toolkit. We have so many tools that we already use that folks don't even know exist, or they don't know that a plugin exists that would make their job easier if they they used it, right? So we're really trying to, to help them understand that and to... Um, and, and to use all the things that are at their fingertips. You know, and I love that because I really think that the cornerstone of real innovation at companies today is about engaging the broadest swath of the workforce and then, you know, having teams like the teams that you're working with and that you're on, you know, help educate and, and think of all of emerging technology as kind of you know, ingredients in this, in this larger innovation recipe, but that's not how all companies work. You know, there, there are still a lot of companies that don't have that open innovation kind of, you know, standard or bent to them. So, you know, do do you, do you have just air cover from, from the CEO level and like, how did this level, you know, high level of innovation occur within Skanska? It's, it's evolving. I, I would say it's still in motion. So like you said, it's not something that everyone just embraces, but it's really a cultural shift, right? And we are actively trying to change that. But what I'm finding is the more and more leaders in our company that I talk to that, you know, are sitting at our senior leadership level, our C-suite, they are like, we've needed this for a long time. And now I think the challenge is really though, 
you know, for us is getting with the, the boots on the ground folks that are in the field, our PMs, our superintendents, and helping and enabling them to make those changes or to come up with those ideas because they have a lot of jobs to do. They have a lot of tasks, you know, daily tasks that they have to get done. They have a lot of of uh, contractors to manage. They're, the list goes on, right? And so how do we say, oh, one more thing. I swear this will save you time if you just listen up, right? <laughs> and so I think if we, you know, it, it's been very much like a top-down discussion right now just because we're talking about such a cultural change. But um, I think once we start penetrating into, you know, into our, our fields personnel and everyone that's actually out there building the buildings, it's, it's going to, I think it's going to take fire, I hope. Yeah. Well, and then you brought up an interesting point because, you know, the people that, that are actually, you know, in the trenches are so busy and on deadlines to then say, oh, by the way, here's a great new tool that you're going to have to learn and introduce into your workflow, but then mm -hmm. it's going to save you time. And it's like, how can they find out that little, you know, that moment, that learning curve? And I guess that's part right. of, you know, part of the challenge that you look at. Exactly. So, so I, you know, there's so many things I want to talk about. Let's, let's talk about some of the, the emerging technology that you're seeing is, is having the most impact. And we're going to talk a little bit later about maybe some specific solutions, but just in general, what are some of the emerging technologies that you see, you know, let's say over the next three to five years that we're going to see a lot more of? Yeah, so um, reality capture tools, I think, are, are huge right now. And really for us, like all emerging tech is fair game. So I think safety is going to be somewhere we continue to see a push, I, I hope. Um, I think for some reason that seems to be further behind from what I've seen. Um, I love to take a look at, you know, I'm, I kind of geek out around BIM and VDC tools. And so just this automation of, models. We do a lot of laser scanning and how can we get from a scan to a model quicker or maybe on the flip side, how can we better leverage the point cloud information and the data that we collect so that it's not, um, you know, so foreign to some of our, our teams that we work with because they, they're like, no, we don't want that unless it's modeled. You know, how can we bridge that gap? I, I think that's, that's going to be something that we really focus on um, that I at least I keep a, a close eye on. Now, yeah, I, I want to come back to that, but we're going to take a little break now and, and hear from our sponsor, but let's pick that up when, when we come back. This episode of the Future Construct podcast is supported by the amazing team at Applied Software. They have solutions for any modern project. Applied Software is on a mission to transform industry by empowering their clients and being the champions of innovation with their real world expert consultants. They have a comprehensive suite of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing, and they have a singular focus to help you achieve higher performance. They have software, training, support, consulting, and custom development. Applied Software has you absolutely covered for all of your workflow needs. And BIM Designs is proud to be a client and partner of Applied Software. So visit asti.com, that is A-S-T-I.com, and please let them know that Future Construct and BIM Designs sent you. All right, and we are back, and I don't want to let go of the point cloud because it's such a monster to actually think of a way to visualize. And then how do you visualize it on site where you have spotty you know, bandwidth issues and all kinds of things? So 
I guess that leads into, you know, one of the questions that, that I want to cover today, which is, you know, like maybe your top three solutions that you think are really going to impact the industry, not just technology, but like more specific solutions that, that either you're, you're implementing now or that you see in the near future. Yeah. So I think my first one, I'll I'll stick with that, that whole point cloud and like reality capture thing. And I think in my head, I'm actually combining a couple of different tools. So I'm not going to give you a specific, but I I love this idea of reality capture tools that are providing uh, virtual walkthrough experiences, right? I think we've been able to leverage those so much. And we're a national company, international even, we can start leveraging those tours as, you know, exposing someone in Boston to a project we're doing in Seattle. So I absolutely love that. Um, the other thing that, you know, I, I like about that, and I think this is where I'm trying to combine the two, or this is like my dream maybe, um, is the reality capture tools that can also be used for progress tracking and then has some model automation or up, updates that can happen out of that, right? So kind of documenting as-builds as we go. How do we go in and scan and say, well, it should have looked like this. This is what we planned, but it actually looks like this. Let me just move this wall over three inches or, you know, punch this opening in a different place, um, move this ductwork, whatever it is. I think that's been something that I've seen bits and pieces of, but I'm not sure that a full tool actually exists. And then I think robotics uh, are somewhere that I try to keep an eye out for. Um, so while I talk about, you know, reality capture and laser scanning and, you know, 360 photography and videos, uh, I think we're trying to find ways that are inexpensive because I think right now robots are very expensive, but how can we find, you know, inexpensive ways that we can leverage robotics to capture those data points and then use them for, you know, that progress tracking or that model, um, check and, you know, further development or as built development as we go. So I think that was three. Yeah, no, it, it was. And I, and I think you're right. I think, um, you know, robotics now and, and, and all of this automation is still, you know, relatively pricey. But I think like any of, of these emerging technologies, because they're coming so quickly and the, the innovation cycles with this technology is moving so quickly, we're going to start to see prices coming down and, and kind of a much more democratized products. And, you know, you're talking about reality capture, you know, we've got LiDAR on our phones, you know, that, I mean, all right. of it is starting to kind of, you know, come, you know be, be actually in our hands and, and accessible. Um, so I think all of those are great. I also, you know, love this idea of, of actually the, the as built being created as it's being built, as opposed to after, um, but in any case, having that as built and and the BIM data live on, and of course, I'm going to have to you know steer the conversation to augmented reality. But you know, being able to leverage that data once the building is finished, because the building might be finished, but it's never finished, right? There's always right. need to be able to access the data and the structural data of a, of a building, and so having this kind of living, breathing. BIM data that can be accessed through um, even even you know wearable or even through a mobile device, I think is incredibly valuable. Definitely, and I think you know we are all hearing about digital twins and how can that start aligning with those twins, and then how can we view them you know from an operations perspective that's user friendly, right, and, and approachable to folks that are you know operations or facilities teams that are like I don't want to touch the model, right. Well, yeah, you know, I think it's interesting too, because we talk about digital twins and I think everybody understands what they are conceptually and then how that 
kind of leads into smart buildings and then to smart cities. And, you know, I think to your point with all of this technology, we're seeing little bits and pieces, right? We're seeing little mm-hmm. elements. We're seeing a lot of those, these 3D models. And then you have the, the BIM data and you have the, sort of these layers and layers of data. We haven't quite wired them all together yet. Right. But it's going to be interesting as that starts to happen. And so are there, you know, are there some other trends that you're seeing or, you know, even leveraging some other other technologies like AI and, and, and blockchain that, you know, you, maybe blockchain even just relative to smart contracts or things that can trigger payments based on those walkthroughs, right? And I think that that is a, is a, is a great use case because certainly that will be adopted. You know, any technology that will trigger a payment, it's going to get adopted. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that progress so tracking. Curious, so you're, yeah. So I'm curious what you're seeing, you know, on, on that front. Yeah. We're, we're really interested in that. I think all things AI, all things data are fair game as well. Like um, it's just, there's so many of the tools that we're already using that are capturing that data. So then how do we make it useful and how do we make it um, how, how do we leverage it to, to make better decisions about what we're doing or to improve efficiency? I think, um, you know, there are the, the AI tools that are looking at photos for safety that are huge video simultaneously. Um, I, we're talking about blockchain internally. I will say we haven't necessarily dabbled with it, but we've had two, um, two young people come to the company and, and they want to talk all about blockchain. And so we've had two presentations to our VDC knowledge network that I mentioned earlier. We actually have another one coming up. I think it's tomorrow or the following day. Well, we'll talk about, you know, people are trying to untangle, like, what does that mean? And, and you know, what does it mean for us? And so we started introducing that idea of, of percent project complete and how we can then um, invoice our, our suppliers or they invoice us and then we can actually measure against it to make sure that we truly are there. So um, that's, that's, it's coming, but uh, I, I don't have a lot to talk about there just yet. Just yet. Those, those pesky young, youngsters coming in with all their awesome. newfangled ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, and I love that. And I think that, you know, one of the, one of the challenges with, with blockchain is, there's just so much controversy because it gets sort of conflated with cryptocurrency. And now we right. have, you know, NFTs, the sort of the flavor of the month, which um, frankly is sort of a disaster waiting to happen, but it will, I think kind of implode and then settle into what it's really meant to be, which is again, the sort of value construct um, and, and kind of digital truth, if you will. Right. But I think it's interesting that, you know, at least you're looking at that, that, construct and, and just you know how it how it can be leveraged because I think it's it, it feels a little bit like the wild west mm-hmm. and you know again trying to decouple like what does blockchain do really really well um, versus what is this new kind of value proposition within crypto uh, and and helping companies understand that I think is going to be uh, you know is going to be part of part of this future totally and do you think that, you know, because you, you did mention you've got some, some you know, new workforce coming in. Do you think that, that, you know, part of attracting the top talent is, you know, involves really being forward thinking about technology that this next generation workforce is like, what do you mean you don't have, you know, AR and what are you not looking at blockchain or AI? I mean, do you think that's a big driver? I definitely think so. I, I think you know, in the past, we sometimes as like BIM or VDC professionals have been looked at as like, oh, we're just trying to push technology for technology's sake. But I think that that's, that's changed and that 
as we continue to just find technology to solve problems, like blockchain is going to be the same thing, you know, AI, the same thing. So it's, it's technology because it's solving a problem and it's proving out, you know, that there's an ROI for that. So I do, I think, you know, we see a lot of people entering the workforce uh, in construction that are computer science backgrounds. You know, it's not just your traditional, I got a construction management degree or civil engineering degree. It's it's just such a, a broader background and I'm excited to see it because I think if they get the right leader's ear, it can take off in any organization. Well, I can see, you know, you're so effusive and you, you, you can tell how much you love technology, <laughs> but, you know, to your point, when you started your career, is the, it wasn't really a thing. Like, where did this come from? Where did all this energy for this emerging technology for you come from? Yeah. So I, I guess like, I don't know how many years back this was, but this whole idea of like BIM for FM was always a thing. So we started to look at okay, well, I was very, models were near and dear to my heart and I was spending so much time in them, but I was finding um, a lot of my job satisfaction was around showing someone who was not familiar with the model and never wanted to look at it, didn't want to be bothered, that this is a powerful tool. And then furthermore, looking at like, all right, what is the data that we're extracting out of this? And I was lucky enough to work for a client who was forward thinking in my earlier years of my career and wanted to have this you know, operations model at the end of a project. And this is before we were talking about BIM for FM, but it was in the, you know, the earlier days of BIM forum and the client would come with us and, you know, was really eager to learn more. And so I found, I just always gravitated um, toward things like that. And, and as I said, I'm a problem solver. I was always looking for ways to, to solve a problem and do it differently than maybe we're doing today. Um, and so I, I don't know, I couldn't heard about nerd out about a lot, a lot of different things here. <laughs> I, I'm super passionate about, you know, digital twins. And um, we have a, a global initiative. We're really looking deeply at, at those and how they can impact our, our business, both from our commercial development side, but also from our building side. Uh, but I think, you know, as you alluded to earlier, like digital twin, it, it's, it's a thing. It's a it's an idea for most people, or it's, you know, a single piece of equipment for some, or it's an energy model for others. And so just trying to, you know, broadly grasp what it could mean, and then how we can evolve our own definition of it to have a deliverable for our, our commercial development client or another client um, is, is something that I spend a lot of time fantasizing about. So... <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's great. And so I guess I have to go back. So, you know, I have this thing about, about again, crypto and NFTs. And and so it just, I mean, this is an aside, but just curious what your thought is in, in this whole kind of NFT world. Have you looked at it? I mean, I know it's not super relevant to what you're doing right now, um, but, but what do you think is going to happen with all of it? Do you think it's just going to kind of continue to escalate or do you, do you feel like it's just going to level out at some point? Oof. I think it'll continue to escalate for a while. I, I almost feel like it it, ha, it has escalated, leveled out, and I think maybe it's escalating again. So it's been on this, you know, little turbulent path. Um, but the market has also done that over the past couple of years. I think, um, oh, I don't know. I, I haven't truthfully spent too much time looking at it. You know what I, I find challenging too is that uh, we work in the construction industry with a lot of folks who are very hesitant to adopt technology in any way. So to start talking about that, they're like, you're crazy. What are you their eyes, their <laughs> eyes just glaze over and just like start to roll into the back of their head. Yeah, they're like, what are you saying totally. to me right now? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I find that interesting too in the, you know, in the construction industry in general, that there, there's kind of this chasm between you've got these companies that are super forward thinking and they're looking at all manner of technology and how they can leverage it. And then there are others that are just like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's not that one is more successful than the other now, but I think that's, it's really going to define how companies evolve and that companies that are really making an effort, even if they're not implementing a lot today, but have people who are in your roles looking at, at this technology. Uh, but do you, do you, do you find, you know, whether it's that Skanska or the, the, you know, industry in general, that there is just a, a faster adoption track now, or do you still feel that there's some kind of trepidation with just some of the work that you're doing? I think that the adoption track definitely seems faster. I think one thing that I'm encouraged by is that we're finally taking a look at other industries outside of construction and that's okay. Right. I think um, we've been trying to do that for a long time, but we can start look at banking and how the banking industry has evolved and how, what that means for our industry. We can start looking at, you know, manufacturing was always one that was close to us. So we, we continue to do that, but what are those other markets and how have they been evolving and how have they, you know, digitized, if you will, and implemented technology. And I just, I see so much more of us looking to those others that, that is, like I said, it's encouraging to me. I think it's going to help us continue to adopt faster than we have in the past. See, that's really interesting. I haven't heard that a lot. I hear companies looking at kind of the competitive landscape and you know, there's, there's sort of this notion that, that nobody wants to be first, but everybody wants to be second. Right. Um, but I like, I like the idea of looking at other industries and kind of seeing how they're solving some of the, some of the, some of the similar problems. Um, so on this forward looking track, uh, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody. So if you could project yourself, you know, 20, 25 years in the future, and you could have any service or product that would just make you happy or make your life better, what would it be and what would it do? It's interesting. I was um, talking to my husband about like, what will our phones be in the future? And like, will they be in our head or something like that? But what I thought about was I would love a device that records notes that I'm thinking. So it's like a mind reading device. Um, I find that I will be in a meeting and I'm like trying to digest what someone's saying and I'm getting really excited about it. And I have a question that I want to ask, but I don't want to interrupt them. And I need someone to take a note for me or I have to, you know, I jot it down, but if someone could, something, some device could just do that for me and then tell me what that was. So I don't forget. Um, I, uh, you know, I have grocery lists that run through my head at 2am when I'm you know, awake feeding the baby. Like if someone could just, or something if I could just record, record all that, that. That would be great. So <laughs> I love that. Well, I do that. I do that now. I have, I have a, a couple of uh, tools to record meetings because it's the same right. thing, you know, you're in, and I can't type to save my life. And so, and then trying to write and then look at the person and, you know, be engaged, it's impossible. And then I'd like one that would like, if I have a conversation with someone like three years ago, that I, it'll record that conversation and it'll play me back the highlights so that when Ugh. I see them again, and invariably I don't remember and it makes me look like I'm such a jerk that I, then I can remember. And it's just, I'm out right. of RAM. I'm really, I, people, if I forget you, I'm not a jerk. It's just because I'm out of RAM. I have to let go of a piece <laughs> of information to take in a new piece of information. Exactly. <laughs> that's I love that. I think that's, I think that's a great invention. And there actually um, were some studies with the, um, 
I saw this recently with a, a quadriplegic where um, he has a uh, robotic limb and through uh, mind control and sort of uh, harnessing his thought patterns, he's now starting to learn how to control the robotic arm, Wow, which is remarkable and really exciting. So I think in 20, 25 years, I think you're going to get your wish for your awesome. recording device. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Someone, now, now it's out there. Someone's going to work on it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> well, Danielle, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is great.